You're listening to the Sojourn Church New Albany sermon series, Our Sojourn. In this series, we'll take stock of who we are as a church and who God is forming us to become in 2022. Now hear the word of the Lord. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Uh, Good morning, Sojourn. Peace be with you. It's good to see you guys. My name's Jonah. I'm one of the pastors here at Sojourn. Uh, Our mission as a church is to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, build them up as his church, and send them to follow him in his world. Uh, I'm thankful that you come to be a part of that. These last couple of weeks, we've been in a series called Our Sojourn, talking about what's it going to look like for us moving forward, becoming more of the church we want to be, where is God leading us, where do we want to go. Um, You know, you'll start seeing little things, like we talked about that podcast. Why are we talking about a podcast all of a sudden? Uh, Well, our podcast address on iTunes is changing because of the ways we're decentralizing all of our operations as a church across our six churches. And so things like the pastor's email addresses is changing and the staff's email, those kinds of things are are coming. And so we're in a bit of a time of transition. We've been talking about that the last few weeks. What are some of these transitions looking like? And change, transitions are almost always scary at first, even when it's good, even when it's something you want. Uh, the uncertainty is frightening and unsettling. Um, A new job, even one that you really want, is scary at first. A new relationship, a new child, uh, there's there's often just that little bit that comes with it that says, what will this be like? Um, Will this be better or worse than before? I'm not sure if everything will be okay. Um, Some of us make the mistake of coming to the Bible and saying, I've got this situation, and I want to know what the Bible will tell me to do about this situation. And we almost, you've, if you've been here for a while, you've heard me talk about the Bible not being a spell book before. And what do I mean by a spell book? It's like where you look for the situation, you find the right verse with the magic words that you can throw at your situation to fix it. Um, the Bible's not a spell book, and it, it isn't always going to give us the 100% answer for this particular circumstance that we're in. The better question to ask when we're facing times of uncertainty and anxiety is to come to the scriptures and say, what does it look like for me to be faithful here and now with what God has given me to do? The the aim of the scriptures is less to, to give us information to make us intelligent or to give us a lot of facts about God. Um, the, the scriptures tell us truth, and that's revealed truth. That's truth given to us by God in order to make us a certain kind of person. Even just practically speaking, could you imagine how thick the Bible would have to be if it's going to tell you what to do in every circumstance you will ever face in all of the different contexts of your life? It'll tell you what to do if you're adopting a child while moving to the Philippines with a new job in IT. You know, like the circumstances are too complicated and too varied to think that the Bible is going to give you the explicit answer for every situation. So instead, what what does God give to us in his revealed truth? He he gives us mostly stories and poems. More than 60% of the Bible is stories and songs and poems. And the, I, the reason for this is that stories shape us. They invite us to participate in the story so that we might become a certain kind of human in the world, 
uh, the kind of people who can face change, who can face life's uncertainty with confidence, with peace, with, with hope. Um, the Bible tells us stories of what has happened and how God shows up more than it gives us instructions for what to do. And that may be confusing for some people. Uh, that Even that may make us feel a little bit anxious. Um, you know, there's every other religion in the world outside of Christianity, if you boil it down, will say, do this and this and this if you want God to be pleased with you. Here's all these things that you have to do, and good luck with the rest of your life. Pray these things this many times at these times during the day. Have you noticed that Jesus does not come with instructions, though? He comes with an announcement and an invitation. If you look at the first public message of Jesus, the announcement, the kingdom of God is at hand, what's the invitation? Repent and believe. There's something true that is coming. There's something that has happened. He makes an announcement, and he invites us into it. He saves us. If you look at how salvation is talked about in the New Testament, the primary metaphor that is used is that of adoption. Not, not even of like servanthood or taskmaster or obedient workers. It's adoption. He comes with an announcement to save us so that we could be adopted into his family. Healthy families are built on a foundation of relationship, not on rules. If you have a healthy family, I promise you that there are rules, but the rules are in service of the relationship within the family. Some of you grew up in a family where it was all rules and no relationship. And what happens, that might work when your kid is six, seven, eight years old. What happens when a 15-year-old has been given nothing but rules his whole, whole life? That, that doesn't go well. These stories in the scriptures equip us with principles and invitations to become holy and wise right where we are, to experience who we are as sons and daughters of God so that we could face life's uncertainties with confidence, with peace, and with hope. The, the passage Melissa read for us uh, is a great example of, of what I'm talking about. So I'm going to read it again for you. Acts 2.42, it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. This is not a command. This is a story. How do I know it's not a command? Well, the language isn't a command. If you want to get nerdy about it, we can talk about that afterwards. But even just think about what's being said. Those first three words, all the believers. What is, yes, yeah, literal. This is saying every Christian in the world gathered together. And is that possible today? Ev thank you. From the mouth of babes, right? Can you imagine? Where are you going to put a few billion people? Which country do we gather in? Uh, it's not possible for all of the believers to gather anymore. Um, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. What did that mean here? Well, if, you'd, if you've never thought about this, this Acts 2 is talking about a time when the New Testament is not written yet. When it says they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, it means that they were listening to the apostles teach. The apostles were these men that they're not alive anymore, and we cannot go and listen to the apostles' teaching anymore. Fellowship and sharing meals. We don't know what that means. It just says fellowship and sharing meals. Did that mean they had breakfast, lunch, and dinner together? 
Did that mean they had a special Tuesday supper? You know, I had a struggle with that here in Southern Indiana, the difference between supper and dinner. You know, I don't know. I don't really know which is which, but you see what I'm saying? It just says they ate together and they had fellowship together, but it doesn't really say what that means. It says they prayed together. Well, was it contemplative prayer? Was it intercessory prayer? Was it corporate readings all together prayer? Was it full day long? What was it? We, you see what I'm saying? This is a story of what happened, and it's not the strict commands. So for us, when we come to the scriptures, I want us to be a people who aren't so much looking for rules as, as much as we're looking for ways of being that foster relationships with one another and with God. As a church, we're looking for ways of life that help us experience the reality that we are God's adopted children and learn to live as God's adopted children. So when we come to the stories in the passage, or the stories in the scriptures, it's, it's often a really good idea to step back and ask ourselves, well, what's the invitation here? Especially if we can't recreate the story. We can't get all the believers together. What's the invitation here? or maybe even before that, to say, what are principles that are being shown to us here? So a couple of things come to mind with this Acts chapter 2 passage. It's clear that they prioritized each other. You see what I'm saying? It's, if you read that Acts 2 passage, it says they gathered every day. Here, they're, they're listening to teaching, they're praying together, they're eating together, they're experiencing fellowship together. They knew this young group of believers knew that they needed one another for this life of faith. Uh, it's evident in the text here because it has this word devoted. Uh, the, it means to attach yourself or to be close at hand. O oftentimes it's used in a relational sense um, about being faithful to somebody. So you'll be devoted to your spouse, or in this case, you'll be devoted to all of the other Christians Grammatically, it's an ongoing word, which means it's not just like they made a one-time commitment. This was a way of life for them. This is how they lived. They, they prioritized one another as a way of life. Uh, the two big ways the text says this shows up for them was the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Notice it didn't say um, they spent their time with the apostles, but they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. There's a difference there. They weren't obsessed with these people as much as what it was that was being revealed to them. They were hungry for the revealed truth of God. And at that time, it was given through the apostles themselves on behalf of Jesus. Um, it's, it's also really interesting to me that these were not one-on-one -on -one meetings. This was the whole church being devoted to the apostles' teaching. So I think we can say they prioritized each other as they learn God's revealed truth together. Um, for us today, the apostles' teaching is preserved in the scriptures. That's the, the Bible. Um, since the death of the apostles, I might blow your mind here in a second. Since the death of the apostles, most Christians, and I mean like 99% of Christians, the last 50 years are an exception to what I'm about to say. Most Christians only read the Bible and learned how to read the Bible together. So now we have this modern idea where to be a Christian, I don't know if y'all grew, grew up this way. My early years of faith were spent saying, if you don't read the Bible by yourself every day, you're barely a Christian. Quiet time, anybody have quiet times? You know what I'm saying? It's like you have to get in your prayer closet, read the scriptures, hit your Bible, play, and listen, if you do that, thanks be to God. That's great. 
I'm never going to discourage somebody from reading the Bible. I don't want you to hear me saying it's bad to read the Bible on your own. But for, the, for 1950 years, the way Christians learned the scriptures together and devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching was through large groups. It was Christians reading together, interpreting the Bible together, and understanding how did it apply to them together. It was an ongoing, diligent pursuit of God's revealed truth together. That shared pursuit created this word here called fellowship. Um, It's a Bible word. It's a word that we sing often, and it's one that doesn't really show up much in our normal culture. So if you want to try to understand what fellowship is, it's a relationship that's bigger than the relationship. Um, And maybe you've experienced this. You don't have to raise your hand. I like asking questions, but I know you guys can't answer. But have you ever been in a relationship that was about the relationship? Um, Or you ever try to maintain a friendship with the friendship? And that... If you don't have any idea what I'm talking about, imagine every time you hung out with somebody, all you talked about was whether or not you were friends. Every time you talked about, you talked about how was your friendship going. Uh, maybe you've been in a marriage or you are in a marriage where all you talk about is how the marriage is going. And have you ever just experienced how exhausting that is? H- human relationships were not meant to be ends in and of themselves. We were created for community, but There's only so much one other person can hold. The best friendships, the people who remain close for long periods of time are in pursuit of something bigger than the idea of friendship, meaning we come together for something other than the fact that we are friends. And I think that's the idea of fellowship. We are headed somewhere together. And as we go on the shared journey with a fixed point, we naturally draw closer together. Historically, The Christian plan for friendship was follow Jesus together. As we follow Jesus, we will naturally be drawn to one another. As we have a shared mission, we will be drawn to one another. So what did they do historically? Christians read the Bible together, and they prayed together, and they became like Jesus together. They ate together. They worked together. The community was built around a shared pursuit of Jesus. See, that something that's interesting that's happened to us in the last 50 or 100 years or so, churches become so much of kind of like a social group um, or an activity that we go to. And some of this is evidenced by how easy it is to switch churches. Um, the church is meant to be a family. And can you imagine if you were like, man, I don't really like my mom's cooking, so I'm going to go become part of Stephanie's family. Um, we pick and we choose and we come and we go. The church is meant to be a people journeying together towards the kingdom of God, pursuing Jesus together, growing in maturity together with people who are just like us and people who are nothing like us. And we can do that when our fellowship is about more than just our friendship. Friendship in the church is always a byproduct of fellowship in the church. So in this story, We receive these kinds, you could look at these as like pillars of being the church. These are invitations. These are not commands. What are the invitations? Uh, Studying the scriptures, praying together, and fellowship. Bible study, prayer, fellowship. That's the invitation that produces friendships, community, and builds the church. Historically at Sojourn, so our 20-year history, and here at this church, a little more than 10 years, we've pursued this through community groups. 
community groups are kind of the catch-all where we do all of this. I, I said it, um, I don't remember if it was last week or a couple of weeks ago, but community groups aren't really going that great for us right now. Um, we had 20 a couple of years ago. Uh, this is a couple of years before the pandemic, and now we have around three. Um, most groups aren't welcoming new people in because they're exhausted and it's a lot of pressure and we've made several pitches and nobody wants to leave community groups. So we've been in this kind of like, what are we doing? This kind of ambiguous floating around. It's just gotten a lot harder as we've had more and more kids and, and grown up. For some folks, it's working really well and it's, it's beautiful, but it's not working for the majority of our folks. Something we've always said at Sojourn that I believe really strongly, this church is not about any program or any event. And I will, I will tell, I'll tell you, if you don't know this, community groups are not commanded in the scriptures. We all, do you know that? If anybody ever felt guilty about not being in a community group? Can we be honest? I've been, I've been guilty. Okay, just me, me and the dimples. <laughs> it's, not in, it's not in the Bible. It's a system. It's an idea that we had to pursue these pillars of Bible study, prayer, fellowship. These are the, the principles of what the church does. And in every circumstance in the history that we try new things in pursuit of these revealed truths. The goal is not a program or event. The goal is knowing Jesus by prioritizing scripture, prayer, fellowship. These are the normal rhythms of following Jesus. If you are getting that in your community group, thanks be to God, don't change a thing. We're not killing community groups. We're not saying nobody can go to community group anymore. Most of us are not experiencing that in groups, or, or we haven't, and we stopped going. So here's where we're headed together. Here's what we're going to do in response to this reality for us now. Uh, we said this already. We're prioritizing Sunday together. Uh, Sunday belongs to the Lord. We're all going to get tattoos so we can feel modern and ancient history. We're going to just get tattoos wherever you are, except for Glenda. Glenda's not going to get a tattoo. That's a joke. We're not doing tattoos. I mean, you get a tattoo if you want. I don't know, but, but you know, those things are permanent. So... Um, we're going to tattoo it on our hearts. Uh, Sunday belongs to the Lord. Yes, every day belongs to the Lord. Amen. All things belong to God. We are prioritizing this day. 80% um, of us attend almost every Sunday. We are here and our lives are busy and crazy, but most of us are here. Sunday belongs to the Lord. So we're saying, if, if you are committed to this place, to these people, to your maturity, if you're going to stay here and you're going to get aggravated with people and with the leadership and you're going to be blessed and rejoice, you know, like we're going to commit to this mess together, then we're saying Sunday belongs to the Lord, which means we're going to show up early and we're going to stay late. What does this mean practically? It means church Sunday starts at 8.30 a.m. and I'm going to get home around 1 p.m. I'm going to come early and I'm going to stay late. This will be this will be a hard transition for some of us. I, I have three children. I totally get this. And I, I need you to hear me. If your, test, if your chest just tightened up all of a sudden, you got nervous all of a sudden, this is an invitation. This is not a command. This is an invitation. This is, this is not a command. You are not a JV Christian. If you come to one service and that's it, I don't know your life. I don't know your circumstances. We're saying this is how we are going to try to prioritize our growth, our maturity, our shared pursuit of Jesus together. We're going to show up, get here around 8.30, and we're going to plan on leaving at 1 p.m. You're not bad if you can't do this. You're not bad if community group works better for you, and you're going to stick with that. It's an invitation to fill and to be filled, to give and to receive, to, to participate in the life of this church more deeply, 
to participate in the formation of this family more deeply. And so what will a Sunday look like if, if you step into this? Um, well, it means that our family commits to participate in the worship gathering. We are going to gather together here. And if you're new to Sojourn or, you know, it took me a while of being at Sojourn before I understand what was going on. We practice the gospel every week, every Sunday. We rehearse the rhythms of this announcement that Jesus came to make. Let me explain it to you. We begin with a call to worship. And if you listen to what's being read, the song that's being sung, we're lifting our eyes onto the goodness of God. We're saying something that's good and true and beautiful about God. We are announcing his holiness. That moves to a confession of sin, where we own our neediness before him, or a prayer of lament, a longing for Christ to come and make all things new. That's what happened this morning. From there, we have a celebration of, assur of assurance, the reminder that we have been rescued by God through the work of Christ. The sermon every week culminates with the celebration of the Lord's Supper, communion. That's a celebration of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and his presence that is dwelling within us. We end with a benediction, which is a blessing to carry us from this place, to help us have strength and confidence as we move forward. Each step of the way, we're immersing ourselves in the scriptures, and we're praying together. We're reading together. We're singing the truths of God together. Week after week, we rehearse the gospel to get this rhythm into our bones. If you participate in daily prayer, we go through the same rhythm in prayer every day, Monday through Friday at noon on Facebook Live. We've been doing it almost two years. We rehearse the gospel so we could believe the gospel, so we could go and live like changed people. So when you commit to Sundays this way, you will be filled you will receive grace through your participation in the Sunday gathering. Then you're invited to serve or to study together. Service is our opportunity to be instruments of God's grace. We receive God's grace and it comes to us to move through us. Maybe you'll be discipling students. Maybe you'll be welcoming guests. Maybe you'll be making coffee. I mean, there are many, 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 many opportunities. Um, in, in every ministry at our church, you're asked to serve for four months at a time. Um, so there's no life sentences. Some of you have maybe served in a kid's ministry before, and you wake up 67 years old, and you're like, they never let me out, you know? <laughs> four months at a time. Four months at a time you sign up to serve. That's enough time, one, for you to make a meaningful impact on somebody's life or on a ministry. That's enough time for you to figure out if you're good at this or not, if you enjoyed this or not, and that's enough time for you to make some connections with other people in our church. And if you like it, if it's going well for you, if it's giving life to you, you keep going. So some of you will serve in one of those trimester segments um, on those months where, you'll, where you're not serving. Well, what do I do then? Am I just going to walk around the grounds and prayer walk? Um, when you're not serving and you're not in the gathering, we will be studying together. So starting on February 20th, and this is just a couple of weeks away, we're going to begin hosting Sunday Bible Fellowship during the 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock services. So it's going to be happening during both services. Uh, pastors are going to be facilitating discussion using an ancient Christian tool called the lectionary. Um, this is nothing new. There's no, no innovation happening here. Um, if you're part of our women's ministry, the, there's about 50 ladies who have been reading through the lectionary already. What is the lectionary? It's a way of organizing the Bible, 
we're doing one that's a three-year cycle, so that you'll read the whole Bible every three years. You've got Old Testament passages, New Testament passages, Psalms, Proverbs. It's a way of organizing the scriptures. And so every Sunday during the 9 and 11 o'clock service, we will be studying the lectionary together. Um, and one of the reasons that we chose the lectionary is um, it helps us. It's, it's a really brilliant tool. It's one of the smartest things Christians have ever come up with. It's a way of showing us the patterns and the rhythms of scriptures uh, so that we might become immersed in God's grand story. This, this isn't going to be a class that's like God's eight principles for better finances in 2023 or the seven best scriptures on how to deal with blank. It's going to say, this is the story of God. And then we will discuss and spend time together understanding what is our place in it. Um, older children are welcome in the class or they can attend our discipleship classes like normal. We'll look at one passage each week. It'll be tied to where we are in the church calendar. Um, you know, maybe you're like me and you're like, what am I going to do for a Lent devotional this year? Lent's coming up. What am I going to do? The lectionary is built around the church calendar. It's all right there. It'll all be done for you. It'll be explained to you. Um, Sunday Bible Fellowship. Each class is going to have opportunities for discussion, for fellowship, for prayer, and for Bible study. Um, so as a church, Sunday Bible Fellowship will be the primary way that we learn to love the Bible together and to devote ourselves to God's truth together, to pray together, and cultivate an environment of fellowship together. And, and again, I know, I know that this will be a transition for many of us. Um, I know that changing a Sunday routine will feel a little bit frightening for some of us. I know for some of you, you already know this won't work for you, and you're beginning to feel guilty already. This is an invitation. This is not a command. We are not taking attendance. Um, I know for me personally, I'm hungry for life. Um, I don't think it's just the last two years, though the last two years have certainly made it feel more poignant. Um, I really want to feel more connected. I don't think I'm alone in that. Um, I want to feel like I belong somewhere. And I want to feel like I know God. And not that that's just a feeling. Maybe another way to put it is I want Christianity to be real because I'm convinced that the scriptures say it is real, that the promises are real. It's not just information. It's not just an academic pursuit. I'm tired of knowing about God. I'm tired of my knowledge of God so far outpacing my experience of living as his son. For most of our history as Christians, we have become more connected with one another. We have become connected more deeply with God by prioritizing the scriptures and praying together. So this is what we're going to try. Friendships, I think, will be birthed from our sacrifice of time and our changed schedules. I think there will be a greater sense of community and ownership and joy that will come upon us. I want you to notice what happens at the end of this Acts 2 passage. And again, this is a story, not a command. So I encourage you to let this stir your imaginations for a little bit. Acts 2, 43 through 47. A deep sense of awe came over them all. 
and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. They prioritized being together. They prioritized serving together. They prioritized praying together. They prioritized studying the scriptures together. And I'm convinced they had to say no to a lot to pull this off. But what did it do to them? I mean, these words are so compelling to me. Joy generosity, goodwill, a deep sense of awe. And I'm convinced that could happen to us here. I, I see no reason why that same experience of God's nearness could not happen for us. I don't know what it'll mean specifically or practically. Or, I, I don't know what it'll mean, but I think the principles could be ours here. So what might happen to our relationships? What might happen to our love of the Bible, our whole church, if, if we gave this day to the Lord? I hope You'll join us as we find out together. We root ourselves every week in the promises of God, in the nearness of God, and the celebration of the gospel by calling our minds to the night that Jesus was betrayed. He took a loaf of bread. He blessed it, thanked God for it, and then he broke it. And he said to his disciples, this is my body given for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. In the same way, when the meal was over, he took a cup of wine. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant sealed with the shedding of my blood. Drink this as often as you eat in remembrance of me. So life is confusing and uncertain much of the time, which is why it's so freeing to come and be reminded of what's true. How do I know you are reconciled with God? Because the body of Christ was given for you. You are forgiven and you are free. Thank you for listening. Keep in touch with Sojourn New Albany on Facebook or download the free Sojourn Collective app for iPhone or Android where you can see our full library of sermon series audio and video, discussion questions, event calendar, ministries, and much more.